I can't tell you when the government's going to be open. I can tell you it's not going to be open until we have a wall, a fence, whatever they'd like to call it. I'll call it whatever they want. I'm Dan Diamond, and this week I hosted Politico's Nerdcast on the government shutdown, which we're bringing you now. I hope you enjoy it, and if you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the Nerdcast wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope you're enjoying the 2018 holiday season. Pulse Check will be back next year. Hello, listeners. This is Politico's Nerdcast, and I'm Dan Diamond, sitting in for Scott Bland. This week on Nerdcast, the government is shut down, and everyone seems pretty mellow about it. Why aren't more people freaking out? We'll dive into what's going on now that the new Congress is about to take over. We're taping this a little bit before noon Eastern on Friday, December 28th, so everything is up to date as of then. And let's get started. I want to welcome our guests. Two members of our congressional team are on the line. We've got Rachel Bade. Hi, Rachel. Hey there. And Burgess Everett. Hello, Burgess. Hey, how's it going, Dan? Let's get started with this. Our data point, nine. That's the number of departments that are currently lacking federal funding and will remain closed until a budget deal is reached. But let's start with a simple, broad question. Burgess, is the government open right now? Uh, well, uh, many workers are, I would say it's partially shut down. Many workers are, are furloughed or working without guaranteed pay. Um, so I've been using the term partial shutdown. I mean, the funding has lapsed for a quarter of the government. So I think it is accurate to say that the government is partially shut down right now. Something like 75% of the government is still operating in some way. Right. But, you know, the irony is the Department of Homeland Security's funding has lapsed in a fight about the border wall. Why is this happening? I guess that's the harder question. Burgess, last week you wrote a story with our colleague John Bresnahan on what was happening behind closed doors and how Republicans were unable to get a deal secured to avoid the shutdown. What happened then, and how has that progressed over the past week? I mean, uh, the interesting thing is is it really hasn't progressed. I mean, you start off with congressional Democratic leaders, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, have been singing the same tune for about two weeks now. It's just $1.3 billion fencing. We will go no higher do what you must with this information, but we're not going to go any higher. And basically what happened right before the government shut down is uh, Senators uh, David Perdue and Cory Gardner talked to the president. They got the president to dispatch Vice President Mike Pence, who came up to the Hill to meet with Schumer. Pence threw out offers. They were all above this $1.3 billion red line, and so there was nothing to agree to. The negotiations continued on Saturday, but they kept going, uh, you know, hitting a wall there. And we're, that's where we are almost a week later. Uh, nothing has fundamentally changed except for the shutdown is now on its seventh day. And you've talked about how this has been bizarre compared to normal congressional fights. You were just on the Hill on Thursday. Take listeners through what that was like. It was a ghost town. Uh, it was not much different than it would be. Uh, if they were done for the year and the government wasn't shut down, there was one senator there. There were a handful of members of Congress, and Rachel talked to a couple of them. Uh, Democrats were protesting and trying to reopen the government on the House side. On the Senate side, it was Pat Roberts, uh, 
Republican from Kansas who also has a house in Virginia, and he opened and shut the Senate uh, on Thursday. He also did that on Monday. So he's been the only senator there since last Saturday. Uh, it's remarkable. There's no press conferences. Nobody's doing any messaging. It's just two parties staring at each other and the president in the White House tweeting about it. Pat Roberts, the Kansas senator whose residency became an issue in his race, his residency in the D.C. area, but that may have helped him actually be on the Hill this week. Rachel, onto a story that you wrote, the details about how this shutdown is going to affect furloughed employees. Can you tell us a little bit about the departments that are closed, what they are, and how many employees do you anticipate will be affected by the closure? Yeah, so just a quick note on sort of this lack of urgency. I think part of it is because uh, federal employees, of course, only a quarter of them are not working or are working without pay instead of the full government. And they actually haven't had that first furloughed paycheck yet. That uh, deadline is January 11th. And so that is going to be the first paycheck missed for these federal workers. And I think, you know, I've talked to a number of senior Republican sources who sort of point to that deadline and say, that's the real deadline. And until then, you know, people aren't going to be suffering. Uh, federal workers are not going to be suffering. So that's what they are arguing. And, and sort of that speaks to the lack of urgency we're seeing on the Hill. But in terms of the agencies that are closed, um, agriculture, commerce, homeland security, Burgess mentioned, um, HUD, interior, justice, uh, state transportation and treasury, and basically NASA and the FDA. Um, and so this is about 800,000 uh, federal employees. Half of them are either going to be working for free uh, through this shutdown or are staying home and um, could forego a paycheck. So um, again, I think that people are looking at this January 11th deadline because once that comes, the sort of sacrifices of federal workers, um, those stories are going to, you know, hit the news and this is going to become real. And I know that a number of the federal employee unions um, have been pushing back on the president's assertion that federal workers support a shutdown to get a border wall and they don't mind it. Um, these unions have said that's crazy and that something like 85% of these employees have either changed their travel plans or are pinching pennies sort of in anticipation of missing a paycheck. Because if you live paycheck to paycheck and all of a sudden you don't get one and you have a, you know, a family of three to support, like that's, that's a hardship right there. So um, I think in January, the heat will be turned on and we'll see people try uh, harder to get a deal. The president has also suggested that the federal employees are largely Democrats casting the impact in a political way that previous presidents have not done when there's been a shutdown. Yeah, I think he's going to regret those comments. Um, obviously, federal workers have all different opinions. Um, but to sort of suggest that it doesn't matter, these hardships don't matter because they are Democrats, which, again, is not the case, <laughs> um, that's going to that's gonna come back and bite him. And, you know, you have the optics of you have having a multi-million, multi-millionaire sort of asserting that, you know, this doesn't matter as much because, you know, people are Democrats. Um that these are federal employees who could be making a lot more money in the private sector. And, you know, they are choosing to be civil servants. And so, um, you know, that's a comment that I think is going to haunt him at some point. In terms of impact, my lazy journalist anecdote is that I flew into D.C. on Thursday and the passengers behind me who were government employees were trying to figure out how this affected their lives. And then my Uber driver was complaining about lack of business. In, in some places, just having those two anecdotes would be enough for an op-ed. But my actual reporting covering the health department is that FDA has been affected by this, the Food and Drug Administration. 
it's partly funded by something called user fees. So medical device companies, pharma, they pay FDA, and FDA is sitting on a stockpile of that money, which will let them do a lot of their routine work. But they can't collect new fees under the government. And what that means is there are no new applications being processed for new medical devices. And their food program is largely uh, furloughed, something like 90% of the food program staff. So while emergency inspections are going on, the routine inspections that the FDA does on the nation's food supply, those aren't happening. And listeners can judge for themselves whether that is a point of concern or not. I I was just going to jump in and say, you know, beyond affecting federal workers, I mean, that's sort of a perfect example of how this spills over to your everyday American and everyday voter. And the long, the longer the shutdown goes, the more it's going to affect the American public. I mean, agriculture, um, you talk about like farm subsidies, like how is that going to be affected, um, especially during a trade war right now? I know the IRS um, is trying to get ready for a complicated tax season where they are basically going to be uh, rolling out the new Republican tax bill that passed last year and is going to go into effect for the first time. And yet most of those tax tax um, uh, IRS employees are furloughed right now. And how are they going to be getting that training to prep for tax season? And if this goes into tax season, which starts in mid-January, um, that means that people who are trying to do their taxes are not going to be able to get a hold of anyone. Um, and they're going to sit on the phone for hours with tax questions on the new Republican tax bill. So um, I think that it's not just federal workers. Uh, this is going to have effect on everyday Americans as well at some point. Let's put some timing around this. We're talking on December 28th. There is no evidence that this shutdown is going to end in the next few days. It may well last weeks, and this shutdown may end up being closer to the shutdown of 2013, which lasted over two weeks, than the more recent shutdowns that only lasted a couple of days or even a couple of hours in early 2018, when Congress moved a lot quicker to solve that problem. Burgess, what is different this time with this shutdown? I don't feel like either side has any incentive to give, and that is the major difference. At the beginning of 2018, when the government shut down for two days, Senate Democrats voted down a funding bill because they wanted a debate on immigration, specifically the expiring DACA program. That had been building for months. It happened. McConnell, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, then committed to putting a debate on the floor. The government reopened. Senate Democrats didn't want to be seen as shutting down the government, so they were willing to go forward even without a firm commitment to pass a bill. And as we all know, the immigration debate fizzled. Uh, Right now, there is not that urgency for multiple reasons. One, politically, the president has made the border wall his main promise legislatively recently, even though he said Mexico would pay for it during the campaign. His base is killing him when it looked like he was going to capitulate to the Democrats for shorting the border wall. Democrats have no incentive to compromise with the president on this because their base is saying, don't give him a penny for this border wall. We're also in the middle of the holidays. So, you know, a lot of workers would be on vacation anyway, and people are a little tuned out. So I think like Rachel said, you're going to see this crank up in January once people sort of realize, wait a second, I can't get a flood insurance policy on my house because the Treasury Department is shut down. Those sort of real world effects will drive this. And I was going to, you know, a big difference as well. Another big difference is the leverage is totally flipped, right? I mean, with the Democrats last year, they were the ones making the demand, as Burgess said, the DACA demand, the fix for dreamers to give them some sort of certainty. And in, you know, congressional um, 
you know, conventional thinking, the the party that makes the demand usually loses and doesn't have a leverage. And back then it was the Democrats and they didn't get what they wanted for Dreamers. And they ended up, you know, reopening the government without uh, getting anything. And they, you know, they, they looked foolish. And, you know, now it's the other way where the president is making the demand on his wall and consequently the leverage uh, after he owned the shutdown and said, I'm going to shut down the government, I will take the blame, um, is is going to be with the Democrats. They are the ones who sort of have a leg up here uh, because they're going to be passing bills as soon as Nancy Pelosi takes a speakership gavel next year uh, to reopen the government. And that's going to put a lot of uh, pressure on Republicans to reopen the government, even without Trump's DACA uh, or Trump's border wall. But I do think that it's interesting that even last year and now, the driving topic is immigration. And that, again, just shows how divided the parties are when it comes to dreamers, when it comes to wall, uh, Trump's border wall, how are they going to handle illegal immigration? They don't, the parties are so far apart, and they're having such a difficult time coming together. But it's the same thing, the same theme uh, that we see pushing the shutdowns from last year to this year. Rachel, thinking about the Democrats who are about to take over the House for the first time in years and in the next week, how much of this shutdown is motivated by Republicans just throwing a bomb in Democrats' lap and saying, look, we, we know you had carefully choreographed plan for what you wanted to do in January. Now you're going to have to clean up this mess. I think Republican leadership was in a totally different place than the president when it came to the shutdown. I mean, they were hoping, praying, crossing their fingers that he would kick this can uh, down the road and wouldn't have this shut down right now. They did not want to do this. The, the only reason we're in this situation is because the far right, the conservatives, uh, Sean Hannity's of the world, the Mark Meadows of the world, whispered in the president's ear that your base is going to flip on you if you don't do this now and refuse to sign a bill. Um, and so I don't think most Republicans wanted this, but I, I also think that they are still petrified of, you know, stepping out of bounds uh, when it comes to what Trump wants or, you know, doing the opposite of what the president wants. They don't stand up to him and they they basically are following in his lead. So I do think the party is divided right now. And most Republicans that I talk to, senior Republicans, um, they don't think they can win this. And they think, you know, the president was going to lose anyway, whether he shut the government down or not uh, for his border wall. And, you know, they're just sort of, you know, waiting this out, and they don't think it's going to be good for them. Um, but again, you know, Trump right now is listening to, to the base, and he's, he's, um, he's in some ways it's almost like he had to have the sight um, to see what happened or what came of it. I would also say, like, if he were to cave now, like, people wouldn't notice as much as they're going to notice in, in January when the House Democrats have taken over. It's, you know, the timing of this is going to reframe the debate in just a week. So that tees up my last question. Where are we in terms of a deal? How close is it? What has to be given up? Rachel, what are you hearing? So Democrats are feeling really bullish right now. Um, and in terms of how far we are, I think we're we're still a couple weeks out. Um, but over time, as we sort of mentioned in this, set, this whole segment here, like the, the pressure is just going to build on Republicans, on the president to reopen the government um, and especially with these federal employees and Americans being affected by shutdown, uh, Democrats are just going to keep passing bills until the Republicans do something. And um, I don't know if it's going to be mid-January. I've heard somebody say it could go as far as February. 
Um, I do think that once that January 11th deadline for the first furloughed federal paycheck for these employees uh, passes, that's when things are really going to heat up and get real. But I, you know, I would be curious to hear what Burgess has to think about or what Burgess has to say about McConnell and how he's going to handle this, because, you know, I know he's a former appropriator and doesn't seem to like shutdowns as much as Paul Ryan dislikes shutdowns. Um, and so I, I'm curious, what you know, what does he do when Pelosi starts sending him all these bills to reopen the government, but they don't include border oil money? I don't know. Yeah, the Senate Majority Leader is going to be under the microscope once the House passes a funding bill. And he his stance right now is until the president says he'll sign something, the Senate's not going to take it up. Um, you know, it's possible he could amend a House bill to add more border security money. Uh, it's going to be a tough spot. You know, all of the Republican pressure is going to start falling on him, whereas, you know, the past few weeks it's been on both him and outgoing House Speaker Paul Ryan. I think the way this ends up is some sort of word gymnastics. A lot of this fighting has been about what are we calling the border security money? Trump will call it a wall often, but sometimes he calls it fencing. Sometimes he calls it steel flat. It's a wall that Democrats don't want to fund. They're fine with border security money, and I'm putting that in quotation marks. Uh, the fencing is probably the middle ground. So it, it all depends on how you can spin it. And I think the way they get out of this is probably some sort of deal that both sides can say they won. Democrats can say we didn't give them the wall, and Trump can say Democrats gave us more money for border security after saying they wouldn't. And then everyone tries to forget about this whole stupid episode. Well, we will be following this over the coming days, because even when the government is closed, Politico stays open. Rachel Burgess, thank you so much. Thank you. That's it for NerdCast this week. Our producers are Mikaela Rodriguez and Jenny Ament. Dave Shaw is our executive producer, and our illustrator is Bill Cookman. If you like NerdCast, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor and leave a review. It helps new listeners find the show. And also check out Politico Pulse Check, our healthcare weekly podcast. Thanks, and we'll talk again next week.